Good morning. Hey, hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you right up front. I felt like there were a couple of times when Adam was making announcements that there, there were some great places for y'all to come in and say amen and give hand claps and stuff. And you gave more like a golf clap. And I'm just going to tell you, I need you to perk up because I got a message that you need to hear. We all need to hear it. I'm excited about giving it. And I, I don't want you to sit back just going whole hum. It's just one more day at church. Man, we're at church. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll be, uh, if uh, you're first time guest with us today or we just haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Jimmy. I'm the lead pastor here at Rocky River. And uh, we're glad you're here. If you guys have your Bibles with you, open them up or turn them on. Go to the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 42 through 47. And uh, also, let me encourage you to reach inside of your bulletin, take out your message notes and your connection card, because you're going to need those in, uh, in today's message. While you're doing that, so on your way out today, if you'll just go by the information table, you can pick one up. The Bibles are free to you. And uh, also, if you're a first-time guest, be sure to pick up a copy of our book, Unshakable, Standing Strong When Things Go Wrong. Now, as you guys know, for the last several weeks, we've been in a series called God on Film. But today, I'm going to step out of that series. I'm going to teach a, a different message it's the same scripture passage, but the focus is just a little bit different. This is a message I feel like the Lord's been putting on my heart for, for a while now, and this is Jerica Needs. Now, I, I, I want to tell you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things that are going to be hard to hear. This is not a message about bashing the church, not any church, not, not our church, not any church. It's also not a message about bashing families or bashing uh, America, not, nothing like that. I mean this ultimately to be encouraging. But listen, there are some things that need to be said. And I'm concerned today not addressing tougher issues in the church. So I, I don't preach politics. I'm not going to today. But I am going to preach the Bible. And the Bible has a lot to say about, of, well, of course, the church. and What the church ought to look like. How it ought to act. What it ought to be like. And so I'm just going to say some things that need to be said. At the same time, I think this should be encouraging because the I scripture passage, I want to give you just a little bit of context for it. One of the things you need to always remember whenever you're reading the Bible or studying the Bible or you're hearing someone teach or preach the Bible, that whatever the passage is, it has context. It's not just in a vacuum like a standalone. It's a part of the, the larger body uh, or the, the larger uh, the Bible, the larger word of, of God. So here's the context for our scripture passage today. The, the church has been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus promised. The, the last thing Jesus said, Holy Spirit, which is there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Wait for God the Holy Spirit to come on the church, and then you'll have the power to go out into the world and be my witnesses. 
Well, that day has come. Pentecost has come. The, the church has been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And supernaturally, these disciples who have never learned foreign languages now can speak the gospel in these foreign languages, languages they had never, never learned before. These are just regular people. They're not lingual, again, in languages they had never spoken. Some passers-by said, oh, these people are just drunk. And that's when Peter stepped forward, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and began to preach. And he preached the sermon of his life. I can't imagine a, a better sermon. And the thing is, it was his first sermon. Um, my first sermon was not my best sermon. That, that is for sure. And uh, at the end of today's message, you might be going, wow, this was really bad today as well. Well, that first just preaching lights out. And when he got near the end of the sermon, he says in verse 46, and you don't have this in your notes, not, not this part, so just listen along. He said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which means they were convicted. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replies back in verses 38 and 39, repent and be baptized. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When Peter refers to those who are far off, he was referring to Gentiles who are Gentiles. Gentiles are, are, uh, is anyone who is not a Jew. And so this is... Peter's way of saying that the good news about Jesus, him crucified, resurrected, and offered up for the forgiveness of our sins is available to everyone. Everyone can be forgiven. And verse 41 tells us, repented of their sins and became followers of Jesus Christ. You think about that. Because likely you've heard that story before, but just let it sink in for a minute. Do you, do you see what's happened here? A spiritual revival has broken out. I, I mean, every, every pool in Jerusalem is clogged with sinners repenting of their sins and having their sins washed away. There is a spiritual revival and a spiritual awakening. And listen... That's what America needs today. A spiritual awakening day. That's what your family needs today. Revival. So let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. And then I'm going to give you eight characteristics of the early church. And listen, these eight characteristics make up the kind of church that America needs today. All right, still with me? All right. Acts chapter 2 is teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Who is they? The Christians, the believers, the, the, the church. And what you really get in these verses is 
a lightning summary of what happens after the day of Pentecost. What's going on in the church once that happens? Because think about it. Think of, of, of the problems. I used to think when we were a church of, well, when, when we had our grand opening service on Sunday, October 17th, 1999, we had 110 people. And through my charismatic leadership and great over the next few months, And I can remember thinking for probably the first two years of our church, you know, as we finally hit up to about 50 people on a regular Sunday, I used to think, Lord, we just wouldn't have any problems if we had 100 people. And then we hit 100, and I would think, Lord, we wouldn't have any problems if we just had 200 people. Lord, we wouldn't have any problems if we just had 300 people. Well, now that... You know, we probably have about 700 people who call Rocky River their church home. We see 50 that shift in and out, but they would call Rocky River Church their home church. And interestingly enough, as the church has grown, so have the problems. Because we're just problems, aren't we? Early in the afternoon or early in that morning, the church had 120 problems, about 120 people. That afternoon, there are over 3,000 really quickly some processes to handle and manage that kind of growth. And so that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing the processes. You see what comes out of this growth in the church and how they handle it. So they have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet uh, together in the temple courts In the temple courts, there was a place called Solomon's Colonnade. That's where anyone could gather up in a place that everyone could participate in. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. Think about that. One of, one of my dreams for Rocky River Church is that would, we would be a church that is above the noise. With all of the yelling, all of the screaming, all of the competing voices in the community, we, we would not be a part of that, but we would be a part of Salute that if our church ever went out of business, the community would be heartbroken over it. The community would then say, what are we going to do about homeless people? What are we going to do about the needy? What are we going to do about people who have no hope? What are we going to do for people that don't know how to hold their families together? Because Rocky River Church isn't here anymore. Now what do we do? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day in Well, here are eight characteristics, and I'm going to have to give you these pretty quick. 
because I have like a 50-minute message that I have to pour into about the next 22 minutes or so. But eight characteristics of the early church, the kind of church that America needs. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down anyway. Number one, America needs a committed church. America needs a committed church. The Bible says that the early church was devoted. They devoted themselves. This means they were committed. They were committed to Jesus. Listen, committed to Jesus. They were committed to the work that Jesus committed. Now, I'm gonna spend more time with some of these characteristics than with others. And like I've, I've already warned you, some of this is not gonna be easy to hear. It's not that easy to say, but I think you can handle it. Many of us need to soften up in some areas, but we need to toughen up in some areas. Churches are full of soft, wear your feelings on your cuff kind of believers. And you're so easily offended and you're willing to walk away for practically nothing. We need committers, not quitters. And, and I listen, I've been a pastor for 20 plus years now. I, I know how this works. And just because I'm saying it now doesn't mean it's the last time it's ever going to happen. Because it'll happen again. People walk in the church, they walk out the church. Walking out of church, they just walk away. And sometimes it's for different reasons. Sometimes people move away. Sometimes people come for a while and, you know, they love the preaching, but they hate Adam and the music. I don't <laughs> they, People come and go for different reasons. Sometimes people come and they check out a church at first. It's cool, but then they realize what's well, it's not really for me, so they keep looking. That, that, that's great. But listen, sometimes people come, they get involved, and then one day they get upset about something and they just walk away. And sometimes there's something to the feelings hurt by people in the church. You know why? Because the church is made up of people. And, and sometimes, Listen, I, I know that people have walked away because of me. Maybe it's because of something I said or something I did or something I didn't do or something I, different, uh, I didn't say. But they walk away and never say why. Or at least they never tell the person who could make a difference in why they're leaving. Instead, they tell other people, which is called gossip, which destroys the unity of the church. And God hates that. So you need to know that. I get my feelings hurt. I start crying, something touches my heart, I, I start crying. Well, a guy that, you know, will be emotional that way gets emotional other ways. Sometimes I get mad, sometimes I get hurt, sometimes I get angry. I'm sure I've hurt people's feelings. But I've had my feelings hurt too. And, but I don't quit. Do you think I get everything I want at Rocky River Church? I don't. You think I get my way on everything? I don't. I shouldn't. 
I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm, a, I'm the leader. I'm not a dictator. Sometimes I get rubbed the wrong way. And to tell you that I've never thought about quitting would be a lie. I have considered it. Most Monday mornings, I think about quitting. But when we started Rocky River Church, I said, Lord, I want to start a church that I can be at my whole life. See, one of the problems that you see in churches is that churches will, they'll get a new pastor about every two years. And what, what, that, that's like a family bringing in a new dad about every two years. Can you imagine the dysfunction of that family? A group of people, sometimes they call them elders, sometimes they call them deacons, sometimes they call them a board of directors, sometimes it's just the people that have been there the longest. We have a board of trustees. We have a staff team. The preacher don't always get his way. I get my feelings hurt. I've had the opportunity through the years to leave, just like you do. You have the opportunity to leave and go somewhere else every Sunday. But I stay because the work that this church started and the work that we do in the community, and I'm committed to you. I've made the decision to be a committer, not a quitter. And that's the kind of decision you need to make. Look, I'm not telling you that I'll never leave. Some of you just went, oh, man, don't say that because I have hope that maybe you will. No, I I don't think you think that. I hope you don't. But I don't plan to. I don't want to. And I sure won't leave because somebody hurts. The best way to get over your hurt feelings is go to the person who hurt your feelings and say, you hurt my feelings. Especially if that's me because that gives me an opportunity to say, man, I'm sorry. Or, ma'am, I'm sorry. I I would have never done that intentionally. I apologize. I was wrong. And I'll bet the person who's offended you, if that's happened, they'd be willing to do the very same thing. But if you go off, you're, you're pouting. Because you've got your feelings hurt and you don't say anything about it, you just go, then you just take that baggage right to the next church. America needs want. Committed beyond their feelings. Committed to Jesus, committed to his work, and committed to each other. Listen, the church that I grew up in, they they will have about this many people. In their service today. Now when I was growing up there. They had this many plus a few more. But today it will really probably probably be about three of these rows. Including the first one that doesn't have anybody in it. And through the years they've gotten some things wrong. They won't disband and they won't break up. Because years and years and years ago, they made a commitment to each other. And through the years, they have hurt each other's feelings. They've had to go and apologize to each other because that's just what people have to do. And there are no perfect people inside of a church. And if you're looking for perfection, especially if you're a first-time guest today, here's the warning. If you're looking for a perfect church, go somewhere else next week because this is not a perfect church. 
And I would also say, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. Because the minute you join it, it'll no longer be perfect. (laughs) Say, all right. Number two, America needs a learning church. A learning church. Uh, Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. So what are the apostles' teachings? Because when you're looking in the Bible, and this is kind of a small Bible, so I know that some of you might not be able to see it that well. Actually, I can't read anything on these pages. <laughs> Maybe. Well, when the church began, there was none of this this right here, no epistles, none of that. So what are the apostles teaching? Well, certainly they're teaching the Old Testament. They're teaching the sayings of Jesus, the ones that they can remember. In fact, the way we have the, the gospel of Mark is through the preachings of Peter. Peter had a disciple that followed him. His name was Mark. And Mark would follow around Peter and he would write down Peter's sermons. So the, the apostles were teaching everything they could remember that Jesus said. They were teaching um, how Jesus is the fulfillment of people were learning the truth. L- listen, one of the biggest problems that I see in, in the church today is that there's a lot of stuff being taught and there's not always a lot of scripture being taught. Scripture typically is just a jumping off point. Here, let me quickly read a verse so I can tell you what I think is really important, what I have to say. That's just the reverse. And so here, here's what's happened. That kind of preaching has been happening. For the moment. What has happened is now the church is trying to teach people how to apply the scriptures when they don't even know the scriptures. You can't live the scriptures if you don't know the scriptures. You have to be learning the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we make it a big deal. That's why we offer free Bibles. That's why we have Bible studies because you need to to do more than just read it. You need to study it. You need to learn it. But Jimmy, I just can't, I just can't, I can't learn it. Look, I'm a guy and I don't read. So I just don't, I just don't do things like that. But you can sit down and explain the whole, you can understand how NASCAR comes up with a champion at the end of every season. You can understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The thing is people do what they want to do. And too many of us want to go to a NASCAR race. Too many of us want to know how NASCAR works. Not enough of us want to know what's really in the Bible. America needs a learning church, a truth-teaching church. Number three, America needs a praying church. Prayer. Listen, the early church, they, they had no political connection. They had no political, uh, political power. They didn't even own buildings. You, do you know why the, the church stopped meeting in the temple? Because in, in the beginning, the Christians, they were Jewish. So they would go to worship the only place they knew, which was in the temple. 
They would meet in Solomon's colonnade, but do you know why they moved out of the temple eventually? Because the Jews and the Romans kicked them out. They identified them as a splinter group, started accusing them of making trouble. People, they didn't own property. They're just regular, ordinary people. And let me tell you something. Those people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, turned their world upside down. You know why? Because they never went out to face the world until they spent face-to-face time with God in prayer. They knew that if they were going to do what God had called them to do, they had to have the power of God. They had to have that connection with prayer. America needs a church that will spend time in prayer, praying for the nation, praying for the president you either love or hate praying for the immigration problems that we have in our country. Listen, just imagine if you took some of your gripe time. I'm I'm holding a mirror up here. You can't see it, but I can. I'm talking to Jimmy here, and I'm talking to you. Can you imagine what would happen if you stopped griping so much? Well, I tell you what. What if you just cut it 50-50? in prayer and griping. You just cut your griping about how bad things are in half and spend half that time praying and then you can spend the other half griping. I mean, think of the difference that that would make. Number four, America needs a supernatural church. This is where those of you who have a Pentecostal background, you ought to say amen and hold your hands up too. Acts 2.43 says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. They believed that God could do anything. Here's where they started. And this is what we need to get back to Jesus from the dead Well, he can do anything. So they believed him for everything. They had to. God was all they had, which really, I I don't have time to drill down on this, but I think that's part of our problem. We think God is just one of the tools or weapons we have in our arsenal. He's just one option, not the only weapon, not the only tool, not just what happened in the church and in our lives if we believed that God could do anything. I was talking earlier about when we started Rocky River Church. Man, in the early days of Rocky River, it was so easy to just go all in. Just, Lord, we're just giving you everything. Well, in the early days, everything we owned as a church would fit in the back seat of a Toyota Camry. We didn't have anything, so it was easy to say, Lord, we're going to put it all on the line. And then we started growing. 
get some property. He felt responsible for them. He like, Lord, I just don't hear you say anymore, put it all on the line. I hear you say, put some of it on the line. That's a small way to live. I want to pastor a church that believes God for anything and everything. I want to pastor a church that listens to the Lord and whatever the Lord says, you do it. Number five, America needs a sharing church. The early church had a real sense of care for each other. They they were a sharing church. Listen to Acts 2.45. It says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this doesn't mean that they were socialists, as I've heard some people say through the years. It, it's not like they're a cult and they're trying to put all their money together so they can go buy an island in South America. It's not like they're trying to buy the pastor a brand new to find some way to use it. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. The point is this church was a sharing church. And so a man that owned property didn't feel like he could just sit on that property and hold on to it while there were other believers and other people in his community that were starving to death. They they shared what they had to help one another. That's why I think our community table is so important. And I knew that, but I remembered it yesterday. A sharing church is a generous church. And if you want the blessings of God to be poured into your life, you can't be a bucket with no spout. God won't just fill up your bucket so that you can be the one that just stores up all of those blessings. If you're not pouring them into someone else, if those, God blesses us to be a blessing. And churches that won't bless, churches that won't be generous toward others, churches that ignore people who are hungry and have needs, down the vine. Lord, stop sending money. The Lord stops sending people They stop growing. They wither and die. Number six, a worshiping church. America needs a worshiping church. Acts 2.46 says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts for as long as they could. America needs churches full of believers who do not neglect the house of the Lord. <clears throat> okay, everybody look at me. Needs churches full of believers who do not neglect the house of the Lord. 
That means that on the day of worship, they go to worship. It means that their priorities are in order. It means that church is not just one of the many options that come with the weekend. Lowe's, Home Depot, places like that. They ought to pull a Chick-fil-A on Sunday in the NFL. They, they, <laughs> both sides of my mouth here. But you know, you know when kickoff is at, on NFL, it's at one o'clock. Do you know why it's at one o'clock? Because there was a day and time where people would go to church before they'd watch a football game. You know why they have little league practice on Sundays now? Because church has become an option for people. You, you want them to stop having practices on Sunday, whether it's soccer or baseball or whatever it might be. Pull your kid out. Get all your friends to do the same thing. You control your schedule. And if you neglect the house of the Lord, I'm promising you it will show up in your own house. It already is. Listen, this country's marriages are falling apart. The homes are falling apart because we've neglected the Lord and his house. And so from the top down, our priorities are just wrong. All right, I've got to hurry. Number seven, a hope-giving church. America needs a hope-giving church. These people broke bread together, met from home to home. They had glad hearts. They enjoyed become followers of Jesus. Because for the most part, we walk around with the same sourpuss look on our face that they have on theirs. They hear us griping and complaining about everything else in the world and it's a woe is me kind of mentality. Some of you walked in the church this morning you look like someone poured Clorox in your coffee. The church ought to be a place of joy no matter what's going on in our lives. Happiness comes from the outside in but joy comes from the inside out. It comes from America needs a growing church. You know where the early church was growing? Notice there's not anything mentioned about the strategy, their outreach strategy and how they did things. There's there's no process for how you, you do a lot of things. But the church not only looked good, it tasted good. It wasn't one thing on the outside, but another thing on the inside. They were genuine. And they were winsome because they offered hope and life. People couldn't say no. They were attracted. They couldn't help but to join. Don't notice. This is the kind of church we're going to be. Because our country needs it. Our community needs it. So you've got an outline of where we're going as a church. Let's stand together and pray. And I'm going to offer up this prayer for us. I want to pray for our country. Pray for our community. I'll pray for your family. Lord, I can't imagine a time when our country needed you more. 
even during now there's so much disunity and chaos so we need you Lord I, I pray that you would help Rocky River Church we, we know we're not the only church we're not the best church we're a church but Lord help us to grow and become more like this church in Acts 2.42 Lord, I pray for our community. I pray for our families. Thank you for religious freedom. Thank you for a great country to live in. I pray for those who are oppressed all over the world. And I pray for those who are sin. Guys, you're dismissed.